Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. Now, as you may have guessed from the charming intro music and the sound of rosé glasses clinking in the background, we're coming to you from the French Riviera. After three years away, we're back in Cannes for the Lions International Festival of Creativity. Actually, much as I'd love to pretend we're recording this on a sun-kissed terrace overlooking the sea, we gathered in a windowless room in the middle of the Palais. We'll be here all week with daily episodes of the Walk podcast to bring you the latest from Walk's content program and much more from across the festival. Our team will be cruising the croisettes and combing the Côte d'Azur to seek out the effectiveness insights you won't hear anywhere else. Hi, my name's David Tupman. I'm the SVP content at Walk. Thank you for joining us here in the Palais in Cannes. It's day one of the festival, and today we'll be talking about Walk's new white paper, an update of our Anatomy of Effectiveness framework, which launched this morning. And we'll be previewing uh, something very special later this week, our Effectiveness Show. However, first we'll be sharing details of brand new attention research presented this morning by Peter Field, Orlando Wood and Professor Karen Nelson-Field. Now Alex Brownsell, Head of Content for Walk Media, joins me to talk about this session. Alex, how's CAN been for you so far? Thanks, David. Well, it's been a busy start. Um, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that have returned this year. Um, I think everyone genuinely seems really excited to be back in Cannes again, and, and there's been some great sessions already. Great. Now, you hosted the session on the terrace stage I mentioned a moment ago. Um, so can you give us a summary of what Peter, Orlando and Karen were, were talking about? I've got to say straight away, they crammed a lot in for 45 minutes, uh, for a 45 minute session. So um, I'll, I'll try and condense this as much as I possibly can. But the big talking point really was that, that, you know, for the first time we had three absolute heavyweights of the marketing effectiveness world joining together on stage to talk about how uh, undervaluing the importance of ad advertising attention represents a triple jeopardy to campaign effectiveness. Now, there were three clear threats that were identified in this session. Firstly, that the budget is being allocated to the sort of advertising that doesn't necessarily build broad attention. Um, secondly, that the industry seems to have a, a growing propensity to invest in advertising platforms that don't necessarily build attention. Um, and, and thirdly, that the, the ability of the industry to create advertising that gains broad and strong attention is potentially diminished. As you say, there's quite a lot in there uh, to unpack. So let's let's take those one by one. Um, what, what did Peter Field talk about? What Peter was building on his presentation back in 2019, uh, where he focused on a, a perceived crisis in creative effectiveness that he presented on stage, on a walk stage at Cannes Lions. Um, the key premise here is that mental availability still matters in the e-commerce era. Um, Peter recently, well, last year, completed some research with Rob Britton and FE Australia, which correlated mental availability with strong business results. And he's taken this further with an examination of the IPAs, uh, the UK IPAs, 20-year data bank of case studies uh, to back this up. Um, one of the key issues here is that not all advertising builds mental availability, uh, you know, particularly not that short-term sales activation type work. 
Peter argued that digital platforms in particular have, have weaker and less certain impacts on mental availability. Um, and he, he actually suggested that some of the emotional brand building that, that is going on doesn't build mental availability as success, successfully as it used to, you know, in the first decade of this century, for instance. Okay, so as you say, Peter's building here on his narrative from a few years ago that we've seen uh, a decline in the ability of creativity to drive effective outcomes uh, over the past decade. Um, why, why is this so important? Well, it's clearly a concern for, for marketers, you know, if campaigns aren't working as hard as they used to. Um, you know, Peter argues it's getting less likely and predictable that, that an ad dollar spent will build mental availability and therefore drive business growth. Um, you know, he points out that, uh, you know, for example, the share of voice, this has been a really reliable predictor of brand success over, over a period of decades. Um, but the, the data that he's found in his studies, including recently with the IPA, is that since 2014, the correlation between excess share of voice and both mental availability and business growth has weakened. We caught up with Peter quickly after the session to hear more. So triple jeopardy as a choice is kind of quite well considered. It was Karen's idea. But first of all, there are three facets to it. So that bit's easy. And there are all threats. So that bit's easy. But it also kind of builds on and implies much of the work that, of course, was done by Andrew Ehrenberg decades ago on double jeopardy. And in a sense, this is the new manifestation of double jeopardy, but in the world of media and creative. So we felt that triple jeopardy kind of captured in a nice, witty little handle that hopefully people will remember and take away, um, but also gives them a clear understanding that the three kind of work together, that they are all feeding one another. And to break this cycle um, of kind of short-termism and uh, kind of performance focus as opposed to brand focus, you've actually got to address all of these. Um, it's not going to be a quick job. It's going to be a very long job. And we hope that Triple Jeopardy will be around maybe as long as Double Jeopardy has been around as an idea, because it's probably going to need to be to solve this. That's Peter's view. Now, Karen Nelson-Field uh, obviously has built a, a very strong reputation over the last few years on the back of her work in researching the role of attention, particularly when it comes to media planning and media trading. So, so what's her angle on this? Well, as you'd expect, Karen focused on the, the second of Peter's threats, uh, you know, around the fact that the industry seems to be investing a lot of money in platforms that don't necessarily deliver quality attention. Um, Karen focused on issues around advertising measurement and the fact that a lot of marketers still seem to focus on proxy metrics like scroll speed and, and viewing, time, viewing time over real human attention data. And it's, uh, you know, this inward rather than outward, these were the, the phrases that Karen used, uh, focus of measurement means that marketers can overestimate the amount of share of voice they're actually earning from their ad investments. Um, and as that relationship between share of voice and share of market weakens, that really does cause a problem for brands. Um, Karen went on to point out that, that most ads on digital platforms sit below um, what she describes as the attention memory threshold of about 2.5 to 3 active attention seconds, you know, and therefore are making no real meaningful contribution to mental availability. Um, this, this actually builds on a, a paper that Karen recently published on Walk, where she looks at something called the shape of attention and, and in essence, the fact that each platform, digital platform, has its own attention 
elasticity limitations that no matter how great your ad is, no matter how wonderful your creative is, it can't escape the confines of the platform that you're working on in terms of its ability to deliver attention and therefore mental availability. Just to summarise, because I think that's a really important point, that there are some formats within platforms that advertisers are investing in that regardless of how creative their ad is, they're not going to be able to gain significant extra attention because the the, the format just doesn't lend itself to uh, 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 to high uh, high attention states. Is that that that's what she's sort of coming coming towards? In a nutshell, yes. I mean, unfortunately, Karen didn't fully spill the beans on on which platform um, delivers what quality of attention. We're still. Um, it's still all been anonymized or the names have been stripped out of the research. So it'd be really fascinating to find out some more detail on that in time. But, you know, specifically what we're talking about here is, um, you know, share a voice uh, as, a, as, a, as a measure that, that, that marketing is dependent on becoming less important and measuring share of attention becoming more important and, and that having then an impact on your selection of platform for your campaigns. And this is where it gets interesting because we're starting to join up attention as a media planning, media trading input uh, with attention as a as a creative consideration as well. Uh, and, I, and I think that's that's what's interesting here, isn't it? That we're starting to bring the sort of media and creative conversations together. And presumably, this is where Orlando comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Orlando, as you'd expect, um, uh, picked up on Peter's third point around the uh, the ability to create ads that gain strong attention. And, and as we featured on on several occasions on on the Walk podcast and on the Walk website, um, with Orlando's um, seminal works, including Lemon and Look Out, uh, the industry is potentially losing uh, its knack for delivering the kind of attention that moves the bar for brands. Um, Orlando, you know, underlined some of the things we've heard him talk about before, the different roles of left brain and right brain, uh, that there's two, broadly speaking, two different types of advertising, broad beam um, and a narrow beam. And that's the narrow beam, which is very closely focused attention rather than the sort of sustained attention of broad beam advertising you know, means uh, to, to tie back into to Peter and Karen's presentations that brands aren't delivering that mental availability and therefore business results. He pointed out that, that what he describes as, as right brain devices, things like dialogue, a, a sense of place, melody, are becoming less common in today's advertising compared to what he terms left brain features, you know, things like abstract product shots, rhythmic music, and, and facial frontality, which is really key to his last book, The Stare. Um, as somebody in an, an ad creative stares back down the camera at the consumer. Okay, so we're going to have a full write-up of this session on Walk, and we'll be replaying the session for uh, people who aren't in can. But I guess just, just while we wait for those, what would you say are the main lessons for brands uh, from this session? No, I, th I think there was obviously a sense potentially that this was a lot of doom and gloom. There's a lot of bad news for marketers in here, but but you know, obviously Peter, Karen, and Orlando, I think they wanted to leave on on a positive, optimistic note, which is you know there is a chance to turn this so-called triple threat, triple jeopardy into a triple opportunity. You know, if brands have that stronger commitment 
to brand building if there's you know a, a better media allocation based on on attention data and and the ability to platforms to deliver that attention and if marketers commit to stronger creative work that really builds brands you know there is a chance to turn this situation around Next into the Walk studio here in the Palais is Lena Rowland, Head of Content for Walk Strategy. Now, Lena, you're here to talk uh, to us about a new white paper launched just this morning. Uh, and this is an update to a paper we released in 2019 called The Anatomy of Effectiveness. Tell us a little bit about this report. Yeah, hi, sure. Morning, David. Um, the report is, as you say, an update on the report that we launched in 2019. Um, it's the Anatomy of Effectiveness, uh, the updated edition for 2022. Um, this report, uh, it, it will give brand marketers, advertising agencies and media owners a fresh perspective on the five key pillars of effectiveness that we talked about back in 2019. Now, those five pillars are one, invest for growth. Two, balance your spend. Three, plan for reach. Four, be creative. And five, plan for recognition. Yeah, and these are the sort of five key considerations for uh, effective advertising. And as you say, we first outlined these in 2019. In fact, last time we were here in Cannes. Um, why did you feel the need to update the, the, the document? What's changed in those three years? Well, look, as we all know, there have been major changes in the world since 2019 and a lot of change in consumer behavior and by extension, a lot of change in how we market to consumers. Um, but also some things have remained the same. So we actually thought now is a really good time to, to, to look at this, to review it and give it an update. Um, and we know that since, since the first report was published, there's been lots of new studies that have emerged. Um, some of them have reassuringly confirmed what we already know about marketing effectiveness, but Others have actually given us some really, really good and really new frameworks to, uh, as well as fresh insights into how advertising works in 2022. Okay, so talk us through some of the the, the new areas that that we look at in this updated report. Yeah, sure. So look, I'm not going to mention all of them because there are a lot um, and listeners will have to read the report for that. But um, I'll outline a few interesting developments. So one key area uh, is in the last couple of years, we've seen a shift away from the narrative around brand versus performance, uh, where marketers tended to invest in one or the other. When in reality, both brand building and performance marketing play an important and complementary role. Um, marketers are now realizing it doesn't have to be a case of investment in one or the other, but it's an optimum blend of both. Um, so you call it long or short or performance or brand. They both do a job and they can complement one another. Um, now, that being said, a bias towards brand investment will deliver the benefits of a strong brand over the long term. Yeah, this is a really interesting area, isn't it? Because it's 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 an area that we keep seeing new thinking emerge. So obviously, we've we've seen people like Dr. Grace Kite starting to talk about online rent and how some forms of performance marketing uh, are not actually driving incremental sales. 
Whereas at the same time, we've seen growing evidence that TV and search, for example, work very closely together. So there's, I mean, it feels like there's a lot of movement there. Now, I, I think there's another area we've looked at uh, in the anatomy of effectiveness, uh, which has really sprung up over the last few years. And it really relates back to what Alex has just been saying. And that's, that's attention, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so as you were saying, David, another area that we've covered extensively on Walk is the area of attention measurement um, and how this is reshaping media effectiveness. Super interesting. Um, we've published tons of research from the likes of Karen Nelson Field from Amplified Intelligence, Lumen and Adelaide, um, all of whom have found that attention measurement offers a more accurate picture of campaign reach and it can also be a, offer a better predictor of sales outcomes. Now as a result the industry is relying less on metrics like viewability and um, advertisers are increasingly planning for attention and in fact quality attention is key as well. Well let's hear now from Mark Goldiman, founder of Adelaide for his thoughts on attention measurement. What impact does attention measurement have on reef planning? Well, for the past 60 years, advertisers have been very focused on who they're reaching, oftentimes at the expense of understanding how they're reaching those consumers. Attention metrics bring a really interesting new tool to the table, and it help, they help advertisers understand the varying quality of reach. Um, and the way, that, the way that we can do this with attention metrics is by judging each individual placement's capability of capturing attention, shifting that attention to the creative, and then ultimately driving a business outcome. So attention metrics can give advertisers the capability of understanding what's different about a, a placement on Facebook versus one on TikTok versus one on, on linear TV. Um, and, and really bring a lot more nuance to that various quality, which helps advertisers make more intelligent investment decisions and understanding where they're actually getting attentive reach versus where they might actually be seeing waste. Okay, is there anything else we've seen changing that you want to highlight? We're in Cannes, after all, the Festival of Creativity. So it's it's worth touching upon um, changes in, in this space. Um, and we found an interesting shift in the debate around personalization. Uh, brands are increasingly leveraging relevancy and contextual targeting rather than uh, targeting one-to-one. Um, now, we know that uh, in, in previous years, uh, personalization at scale was the holy grail. Um, but marketers are actually rethinking this approach now. Um, they're reviewing when it should and shouldn't be used uh, and, and uh, becoming more aware of its limitations, in a large part due to the demise of, of the cookie and growing consumer concern around data privacy. Okay, so there's some of the areas we've seen uh, a lot of development in. What's what stayed the same? Okay, well, in today's marketplace, we have fragmentation of media, fragmentation of consumers' attention, which is both a challenge and an opportunity. And while this fragmentation can feel overwhelming, it is reassuring to know that some things do remain constant. Um, there's the basics like setting the right objectives and ensuring that you're spending enough money to meet those objectives. Sounds common sense, but it's worth repeating. And of course, the importance of reach that remains undimmed. So it's still really important to reach as many potential category buyers as possible. 
Another constant is the benefit of investing in and nurturing a strong brand. This can be done through the use of distinctive brand assets that build mental availability and enable quick recognition. Or, of course, through building fame or being a brand that is in culture. In an increasingly noisy world, the power of a strong brand should not be underestimated. Right, thank you, Lena. Um, and we also have a, a new section at the end of this report, which we, we've called FAQs. And, and this is a lot of the questions we got asked after the launch of the first report and, and an attempt to, to answer some of them. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that's right. We we did get asked these questions last time. So what we've done is is we've we've looked at uh, how these 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 five pillars or these rules apply in certain key areas of marketing. For instance, in digital commerce, for low budget brands, for B two B brands, as well as what it means for brand purpose. Thank you, Lena. Well, if you would like to know more about the anatomy of effectiveness, then please do go to Walk and download the white paper. And this very afternoon in Cannes, we have an anatomy of effectiveness session featuring some new research from the likes of CreativeX and Analytic Partners. Uh, and if you tune into tomorrow's podcast, you'll be able to hear more about those sessions. Finally for today, I'm joined by Kiara Manko, Walks Commissioning Editor for Case Studies. Um, Kiara, you're here in the Walk studio to tell us about the Effectiveness Show, a special piece of content we're creating that will launch later in the week. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Hi, David. Yes, we're very excited about our Effectiveness Show going live on Thursday. It will really be the culmination of this year's Walk Awards for Effectiveness, which is our global case study competition. So this year, we've received hundreds of amazing entries from all over the world, and Thursday is the day we will finally announce the winners. So first of all, throughout the day, we will announce the gold, silver, and bronze winners. And then at 5 p.m., we'll be going live from Cannes with the Effectiveness Show, which, as I said, is the culmination of the awards because that's when we will finally announce the Grand Prix winners. And just to be clear, that's 5pm French time. So set your watches wherever you are in the world. Tell us a little bit more, Kiara, about the Walk Awards for Effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. So the Walk Awards for Effectiveness, or as we affectionately call them, WAIF, launched in 2020 in association with Lions to celebrate the best in marketing effectiveness globally. And the way they are different from any other effectiveness competition is that our judges score every entry against the creative effectiveness ladder and the B2B effectiveness ladder alongside, you know, using traditional judging criteria. And these ladders are frameworks that Walk and Lions develop together to help create a universal benchmark uh, to measure effectiveness. Great. So on Thursday, we'll be announcing the winners, uh, and that's across six categories, isn't it? So, So just explain the six categories. Yeah, that's right. So we have six categories being collaboration and culture, customer experience, brand purpose, business to business, and then finally, instant impact, which rewards short-term yet powerful work and sustained growth for the longer-term strategies. And each category was judged by uh, its own jury panel made of both agency and brand side experts and led by our brilliant jury chairs from the likes of Preneur Ricard, Xbox, PwC, and much more. 
So can you give us a bit of a sneak peek into the show and, uh, and what we're doing here in Cam? Of course. So what we really want for this show is for it to be a celebration of the great work that won this year. So first of all, uh, across each category, we're going to be looking at themes uh, from the winners before we dive deep into the Grand Prix winners. And for those, we will hear from our jury chairs as well as the winners themselves. We're going to be tracking them down here in Cannes to ask them all the juicy questions about their work. So it's definitely going to be exciting. It's definitely going to be packed full of insight but that's just as much as I can say for now without giving away too many spoilers. So to all our listeners, I'm going to say to find out more, you're going to have to tune in. Great. And where can we watch the show? We'll be going live Thursday, 5 p.m. As you said, that's Central European time, so France time. And we're going to be live on walk.com, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it, we're going to be there. But fear not, should anyone miss it, they'll also be able to find a recording of the show on walk.com after Thursday. Thank you, Kiara, and thank you, Alex and Lena, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow here in the Walk Studio in Cannes with a look at how the worlds of digital commerce and marketing are colliding, plus fresh research from the likes of CreativeX, Analytic Partners, and many more. Make sure you don't miss an episode of our Cannes specials or from our regular Walk podcast by subscribing on your favourite podcasting platform. Till tomorrow, thanks for listening.